Welcome back to the Psychedelic Spotlight Podcast. I'm your host, David Flores, CEO of Global Track Solutions. And today I have the very distinct pleasure of being joined by Rabbi Zach Kamenetz. He is the co-founder of the Jewish Psychedelic Summit, as well as the co-founder and CEO of Shefa, which seeks to educate individuals and communities about the transformative potential of psychedelics, as well as their risks, and as they become commonplace in therapeutic settings and beyond. Zach, it is a pleasure to have you here with me today. How are you doing? I'm great. I'm happy to be here. Thank you for having me. Great. Yeah, I'm so happy to have you here with us. Uh, so I know we're going to, you know, touch on a bunch of different uh, subjects and topics here, but uh, I think the first that I'd like to kick things off with is the forthcoming Jewish Psychedelic Summit, which kicks off on May the 2nd. I know it is uh, features a variety of very fascinating and exciting guest speakers, perhaps highlighted uh, by Rick Doblin from MAPS. He, of course, is one of the more prominent figures here in the psychedelic community. But I'd love to give you an opportunity to talk to us a little bit about this summit, how it came together and what you hope to accomplish with it. Well, uh, thank you for giving me uh, the opportunity to talk about something that I'm very excited about. Um, so May 2nd and 3rd from uh, 9 a.m. Pacific to 2 p.m., we have uh, the opportunity to listen to rabbis, therapists, researchers, mystics, musicians, academics, and everyone in between the Jewish psychedelic world to talk about uh, the intersection points between psychedelics and Judaism and spirituality. Uh, and this is like a watershed moment. There's been a Jewish psychedelic movement that has been brewing, some people say, for the past couple thousand years, maybe for the past decades. Um, but whatever is happening, this is the opportunity for all of us, as many as, uh, of us as possible, to be in the same Zoom room, at least this year, next year uh, in person, next year in Jerusalem, and um, to actually figure out, like, what does this mean? Um, where are we with these major questions that these these two things, psychedelics and Judaism, present with us and, and their interactions? And where are we going from here? So um, the way that this came about was um, I had been part of a study um, of religious leaders that were given two high-dose experiences with psilocybin in a safe and supporting uh, supported setting. And I started talking about my experiences with Madison Margolin, the co-founder and uh, editing manager of Double Blind Magazine, um, about what this might mean for Judaism at large, what it meant to me, but also for Judaism moving forward. She introduced me to Natalie Ginsberg, who is the director of policy and advocacy at MAPS. And our relationship, you know, over time, like ebbing and flowing online, um, they were already friends and I kind of joined the party. And at some point when I started having more conversations on uh, summits and podcasts and Madison had been doing work and Natalie had been doing all of this work, we got together and said, wait a minute, we want to have something for the Jews, uh, by the Jews, for everyone. But what is the Jewish conversation to be having? Right? How do we have culturally specific conversations and care and the Jewish Psychedelic Summit was born. So we have been planning this uh, for the past six months. We have been speaking to people all over the world. Um, we have been trying to create uh, opportunities for diverse voices, um, Jews of color, LGBTQI plus Jews, um, Orthodox, secular, atheist, um, Sephardi, Jews from North Africa and Middle Eastern countries, uh, Jews from Eastern European countries, everyone all together 
as they are, psychedelically inclined, active, excited, curious, um, and Jewishly involved on the spectrum. And what what are we going to talk about now? Um, so we have these great panels with uh, these really amazing people, and we have an incredible amount of people who are just going to be there learning, taking it in, and are going to do something with it after we're done. I think that's beautiful. I mean, education is such a huge part of this space right now, uh, helping people sort of understand what's going on. Of course, I think there's still that, that aspect of removing that stigma that's been tied to psychedelics. I think a lot of people when they hear psychedelics are still, you know, their mind still gravitates towards magic mushrooms and people tripping out at concerts, but there's a lot more than that. And so I think what you guys are doing here is, is absolutely wonderful. Uh, do you want to share a little bit about what your own personal journey with psychedelics has looked like, uh, whether directly or indirectly, and sort of the path that you've been on that's helped lead you to where you are here today? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that the, my part of my story is actually um, about my approach to destigmatization and, and education. Um, you know, I became uh, religiously active, spiritually active, uh, because of a spontaneous experience that I encountered, what I then you know called God or the divine, um, when I was 15 years old on an Israel trip randomly. Um, you know, I was not, I did not come from a religious background. We did not talk about the divine, spirituality, anything in my household. Um, we were just Southern Californians who happened to be Jews. And um, when I went on this trip and had this very profound spiritual emergency or you know expanded state of consciousness. Um, it was brief, it was powerful, and the intuitive uh, knowledge that I had was, you have to be observant. You have to start learning Torah. You start, have to start keeping the commandments, the mitzvot. And there was no question in my mind that that's what I needed to do. And so even my conversation with you now is integrating that experience that happened more than uh, almost 20 years ago. Um, and so I was never psychedelically uh, involved Um up to that point, I had used cannabis in high school, um, but I, I think the, the the machine of propaganda worked really, really well on me. I was afraid of my DNA being scrambled, uh, my brain exploding, becoming a cup of orange juice, like all of those classic tropes. Um, so I was just hands off. Um, but when someone forwarded me an email, I mean, it was in 2017, 2016, someone forwarded me an email that said that they had gotten rejected by... Uh, this clergy study, they said, maybe you could participate. At that point, um, you know, my, my own uh, spiritual life was wavering because of some uh, deeply felt uh, trauma that was happening because of infertility with my wife and I. And I was hoping that maybe this could help reconnect me to that just sense of intoxication uh, of the divine and, and, and that presence. Um, so, I went to this, uh, I went to this place. I had these two experiences. Um, you know, we learned that sometimes even when you set your intention, it's not always the thing that happens. Um, but what did happen was me learning more and more about the history of entheogenic and psychedelic use through the ages um, in human civilization. What is the current state of psychedelic research now? And how is that research and the findings going to roll out into uh, therapeutic application and whatever is beyond that, expanded access or religious use or um, chaplaincy? And that's really what I'm very excited and invested in because, uh, June, you know, all these books behind me, 
they are trying to capture an experience of expanded uh, consciousness in one way or the other. But we usually don't, I mean, the Jews that I know, they don't think about it as that. And what I want to do is let Jewish people know that we have a profound, deep, and healing history with encountering and cultivating expanded states of awareness through spiritual practice, and that psychedelics can help us reconnect to those mind states, reconnect to those deeply felt moods. Um, and so we're going to build that bridge and whatever people want to do with it, uh, that'll be theirs to, to create community um, and ritual and, um, and celebration, but that's my work. Right. Very, yeah, very, very exciting. You know, I mean, on, on the subject of psychedelics alone, you know, there's a lot to unpack. There's no yeah. question about that. Um, but for me, I think one of the things that at least I personally get excited and encouraged about, about being a part of this, this space, this community, um, really is the potential that it has to really be a far more effective tool utilized to treat some of the more serious and debilitating conditions that millions of people suffer from all across the globe, you know, whether that be depression, anxiety, addiction, or PTSD. Trauma is also uh, part of that list. And unfortunately, the Jewish community has been no stranger to trauma. And so with that, you know, I want to touch on the subject of how you see psychedelics perhaps and potentially playing a role in providing relief for those within the Jewish community whose lives have really been uh, so severely uh, touched and devastated by the trauma that they have experienced. Thank you for that question. Um, you know, trauma is, uh, is experienced and uh, discussed in a lot of different ways and a lot of different levels within the Jewish community. You know, our uh, spiritual teachers, they say they have a very low bar for what is considered a trauma. Um, you know, there's a, a statement in um, one of our, um, our holy books that says that uh, if you put your hand in your pocket and you expect to find, let's say, a dollar, um, but you only find 99 cents, that constitutes a trauma, right? There is an expectation about reality that exists in some way, and then the breaking of that expectation um, and the feeling of loss and lack of what you were expecting from life. Um, so in that way, everyone is experiencing some sort of trauma. Everyone is, is experiencing, it doesn't matter if you're Jewish, if it, however you define yourself, that being a human being in some fundamental way is living with a, a, tra a traumatic event. Um, Stan Groff talks about this with regard to um, prenatal matrices, et cetera. We talk about this as uh, in spiritual traditions as you know, the, the soul or the spirit leaving the ubiquity of of truth and faith into the world of doubt, you know, the world that we live in. And so uh, that's you know, just one level. The other level historically and culturally is that Jews live with, uh, with collective and individual trauma since our very inception. Uh, we are born from trauma in so many different ways, um, either as we're told in our, um, our most sacred stories and our most sacred myths, and also just in the historical memory of you know, people that are alive and, and the historical accounts of, of people living um, in Eastern Europe, the Holocaust and, and ghetto trauma, uh, Jews of the Middle East and North Africa, um, displacement and uh, being classified as, as secondhand citizens um, and, and many others. So 
in some ways, part of our story is that either the collapse of uh, the first and second temples that we recall and revisit every year on one day, the day called Tisha B'Av, the ninth day of Av, if we are remembering a historical event that is painful and traumatic, even if we are attempting to overcome it and to make meaning out of it, it is still an open wound. And I think now this generation, right, th this generation in particular is starting to see that healing from these, not just memory, not just ritualizing, but actually healing, not treating, is available in lots of different ways. And psychedelics, I think, make that more abundantly clear with the research that is coming out. So how can we, when psychedelic therapy becomes more available, Jews start gravitating toward these therapies and towards these treatments, how do we give them Jewish psychedelic support that is grounded in their culture, grounded in their spirituality, grounded in the vocabulary of their very DNA, that also makes room for their difference based on where they're from, who their parents are, whether they're converts, etc. Um, but to be able to let them know that they have a home within their tradition, that their experiences with these profound states can be integrated in some way with the, the traditions, the leadership, the texts, and the support that already exists for them. So I think that we have... Um, we have a lot of work to do, but we've already gotten started and I think ahead of a number of faith traditions and other, and other groups of people. And we wanna share our experience with those people who are starting to understand that too. Yeah, and you mentioned that you know, everyone experiences is experiencing trauma. And I mean, I, that really resonated with me because I, it's absolutely true. Uh, we all experience it in our own different ways. We all have our own stories and you know, we've all it, been through different things in our lives. And I look at where we are here today, not just as society, but as humanity. Uh, you think of the last 13 to 14 months and everything we have been through, the very serious toll that has been taken on the mental well-being and the mental health of so many people. Um, I mean, it has really been a, an unbelievable 12, 13, 14 months. You know, you think of the pandemic, but then on top of that, you think of all of the turmoil from a the racial injustice that we've experienced and that we have seen that has really come to light, you know. And it really has been a very traumatic experience for so many people. And this is why I tend to tell people when I talk about psychedelics, I can't think of a time where we as a humanity could benefit from psychedelic healing more than we can now. Um, with that, I mean, from your perspective, I mean, what are you seeing as far as the need for psychedelics to be accessible for everyone here throughout society and humanity? at this very pivotal moment in our history? Um, well, something that I'm focused on and uh, the people that I'm close with are focused on is that, uh, that culturally sensitive care. Um, that even in the psychedelic research community and the psychedelic therapeutic community, we're starting to understand that the concepts, the systems, the protocols, um, they are also subject to intersectionality. They are also subject to white supremacy or Christian supremacy um, as being the space mostly dominated by um, white people who come from Christian, even if it's an atheist Christian background. Um, and even if they're and even if they're drawing on uh, maps of consciousness from 
Eastern mysticism or Christian mysticism um, or Vedant, you know, Vedantic um, consciousness, they, they will inevitably leave out the spiritual experiences or vocabularies of many more groups of people, right? There's just not the room for that kind of diversity. So for us and hopefully for other, um, for other groups, uh, people of color, indigenous, um, LGBTQI, um, that we can create and maintain our own protocols, our own um, ways of preparation, journeying, exploration, and integration uh, that are authentic to Jewish people on their own terms. So that's one of the first things. Um, another thing is that we want to make sure that um, if we are thinking about, you're talking about equity in the psychedelic space, that to recognize that um, there is a great amount of privilege that uh, American Jews have, um, either because of skin color or because of where we find ourselves um, in the socioeconomic spectrum, um, that we are, while we are focusing on our own culture and our, our own needs, that we are starting to also think about how many other um, groups can we also then offer our, um, our resources, our allyship, and to, and to be with people um, and ask for what they need as well, right? So there's so many pooled resources in our own community, and we have to make sure that we are thinking about how we can then extend that circle of care, that circle of awareness to the people who might need it most. So those are the two things that I think are important, and also the recognition that this is not for everyone. I think, you know, we, as psychedelic enthusiasts, we say, like, this is great, everyone needs this, um, not everyone needs this. Not everyone is interested in this. So I'm interested in those bridge conversations, right? Like at, at the core for me, the conversation about, uh, about psychedelics and the, its potential is opening up people to levels of consciousness that they did not know existed and could not know. Everyone is experiencing those things all the time. They might not have the language for it. They might not experience it as a different level of consciousness. Um, it could be while they're going to the bathroom or toasting their bagel or washing their car or um, wiping their child's tuchus, whatever it is. Um, it, is it, it is natural to all humans and maybe other uh, forms of life to experience that kind of, of different uh, varieties of consciousness. How can we bring people along who will never be interested in psychedelics into that conversation about what is the birthright of all humanity? Um, what, is what is the potential for the human mind to get beyond subject and object awareness? Um, where is the non-dual space? Where is the, where is the you know, deeply felt relation between subject and object? Or where are those boundaries? So um, for me, this is about a spiritual awakening as well as one about science, research, and therapy. Yeah, and I mean, I think the, the, the beauty of, of all of this is individuals like yourself, who I consider a leader uh, within the psychedelic community right now, there's this recognition and respect that psychedelics and psychedelic healing is not a one size fits all. And so I think that the fascinating thing that I find about the work that you are involved in, and it's something that I'm hoping catches on with other cultures and other communities throughout society is that every society, and I think every culture is going to sort of have to take their own approach to how they integrate and incorporate psychedelic healing and psychedelic therapies into their own community. And 
that to me, I think is, is an aspect that doesn't get talked about a whole lot. So with that, I mean, I really, really appreciate, you know, what you are doing. I think it's far ahead of anything else that I've seen. So, I mean, what, I mean, maybe we touched on it a little bit, but, uh, you know, what really has been the inspiration, you know, behind this, you know, for you and maybe also talk a little bit, you know, we touched on a little bit earlier that that connection between Judaism and psychedelics. I think that's what I would love to maybe dive into just a little bit more. Cause I know that's a head scratcher to some people out there. So if you could, you know, shed some light on that, that'd be fantastic. Um, so the inspiration for all of this um, is, you know, as someone who is a rabbi, someone who is one of the, you know, very small number of people who have been able to do psychedelics legally in this country uh, in the past uh, 40, 50, 60 years. Um, I've had the ability and the facility to talk about these things in a way that I think doesn't, um, you know, immediately get flagged for just like recreational drug use. Like some guys just talking about doing drugs. I was in a safe and supported environment. It was, you know, legal according to the FDA. Um, it was for the purpose of research. I'm not, uh, you know, taking the Tim Leary approach and saying, you just have to start giving it out to everyone. Here we, here we go. Um, so then a conversation can actually happen. Um, and in that conversation, I have received it, just the sheer volume of feedback from Jewish people around the world. Thank you for talking about this. I never had anyone that I could ever, I never had a Jewish person talk about this out loud. And I'm so glad you, I've had these experiences um, for decades and decades. And just to know that there's a rabbi thinking about this is deeply meaningful um, and grounding for me. Um, I had a, you know, I had a mushroom experience last week and I don't think I want to be observant anymore. What do I do? Like just, you know, there's a, a hotline that is needed um, for something like this. And we just want to be the hotline. We want to be the home for people's concerns, questions, um, support needs, like integration. People are asking about preparation. Um, you know, we're not at that point because we are following, uh, the law of the land as is one of the, you know, main aspects of our religion. Um, but we are also gearing up for the point, you know, creating that foundation for when the legal situation changes that we want to be there and be uh, available for people to have these experiences in a Jewish set and setting. So just like that much feedback, got to do something about this. It's clear. Um, and in terms of Ju uh, Judaism and psychedelics, so either you have the perspective that um, if you read the Torah in a certain way, like there's a couple Torahs over there, um, that Jews have used plant material to catalyze and occasion um, mystical type experiences since the very beginning of the telling of our story. Um, and many researchers um, either, you know, that are archaeologists or um, are recreational researchers um, will point to various plants and say, oh, you know, they have th this amount of beta carbolines, or this is, this term is actually cannabis. And so um, when you put all of these admixtures together, of course, what's going to happen is that the divine presence is going to appear to you. Um, so that's one perspective. Another perspective is that you, you can find these traces of people talking about plant allies in certain ways, right? There's 
Some people think that it's more direct. Some people think that it's less direct. Um, that they also then are juxtaposed by these uh, experiences with expanded consciousness. And for most of those people, it's then an indication that there's always been this sacred use of plants um, that has helped uh, create these states of awareness. Um, you know, to me, that feels like the uh, bottom up approach. And uh, I take a more top down uh, approach that um, I don't think, I think that our ancestors were either naturally or um, worked really hard at um, attaining these states of awareness, um, or they happened to them spontaneously, right? That we have to account for spontaneous uh, action. We'd never say like Paul, who had this ex that experience on the road to Damascus, um, was, uh, you know, uh, we don't talk about Paul on the road to Damascus, that must have been because he was entheogenically active. Um, so what I want to advocate for is to wait for archaeochemical evidence of plant use. Like we have seen in Tel Arad, that paper that just came out um, from an Israel, an Israel research team, that a worship site outside of Jerusalem um, that was modeled potentially after the temple in Israel, in Jerusalem or the temple in Jerusalem was modeled, modeled after it, it's not clear, um, but that on the incense altar uh, that they found traces of cannabis, um, but they also found it mixed with dung, animal dung. And if you read any of the directions for the incense altar, um, either, in the, um, either in the biblical material or in the rabbinic uh, interpretation later, you know that any sort of feces or urine or dung, uh, it actually invalidates it. So, you know, what's what do we make of this? Enthusiasts will just say, see, here's the evidence. Some, myself, I say, wait a minute, what does the evidence mean? Um, but what we do see is that, like I mentioned before, there is the powerful potential for our rituals, our traditions, our texts to bring us to these states. And if we can be brought to these states, um, then we should probably think about them in terms of what psychedelics are able to offer. And then we can make that, we can make our traditions more real and directly experienced when people are having these safe and supported uh, experiences under psychedelics. So, um, you know, a lot of different ways in, um, but will all be explored during the summit. Um, mysticism, archaeochemistry and, and archaeology, Jewish therapy, why so many Jews in the 60s gravitated toward India um, after their psychedelic experiences, um, the, the war on drugs, like all of this, all of these topics are going to be, um, are, are going to be talked about um, during our gathering. Yeah, very exciting. I'm looking forward to it against the uh, Jewish Psychedelic Summit. It's on May the 2nd. Um, we will make sure that we get all of the website information uh, linked in here to this, uh, this podcast. So if anybody out there before May 2nd, of course, you know, wants to uh, be a part of it, they'll be able to uh, uh, register for it. Um, but on that, Zach, I mean, is there anything else, you know, um, that you would like to add or touch on here before I let you go? I know we were able to touch on some really uh, really great topics and subjects here. And I want to thank you again for taking the time to do this. But if there's anything else that you'd like to share uh, before we part ways for now, uh, I'd love to see what you got, what you got. 
Well, thank you. You know, uh, I have learned uh, being psychedelically active um, and being part of the community and making my way in the community, um, centering this as part of my own vocation and what I hope to be able to offer um, to the world, um, to my my people and my my community. Um, you know, we focus often on uh, the psychedelics themselves, uh, the plant matter, the compounds. We talk about experience. Uh, we talk about the set and the setting. Um, we talk about other aspects of the culture. Uh, but what I want to make sure that um, we are also focused on is that aspect of tikkun olam, the aspect of repairing the world um, that I think should be really close to the heart and the center of why we are doing all of this. There's the repairing of the inner world, that small world, in order to um, help offer our, our help toward the, the greater world. And in this conversation about psychedelics, which has, as I mentioned before, right, all, all of this, this overlay of privilege and access, uh, we want to make sure that if we are talking about psychedelics and drug use, that we are also talking about um, expanded access, again, for communities and people of color. Uh, we are talking about um, the incarceration of black and brown people because of drug use, right? Good, good drugs and bad drugs, and who is more likely to uh, be incarcerated over drug use and possession. We wanna talk about uh, changing the legal structures in Oregon, now California, um, and statewide, countrywide, um, in order to seek uh, conscious social action and justice. Um, you know, that I, we get wrapped up in the exciting things and we wanna make sure that what is exciting is um, the freedom, the justice, um, and the opportunities for all people. Um, and so that for me is the, is the important and least often, in, at least in the, some context that I find myself in, part of the conversation. And we need to be having that more often. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And, you know, I mean, our, our, I guess, tagline, if you will, here at Psychedelic Spotlight is experience the paradigm shift. And that paradigm shift goes so far beyond just this approach to mental health and mental treatments and therapies. It really is about, you know, inspiring change, long overdue change throughout society and within humanity. And I love that you touched on a lot of that. And I think that's why I'm so inspired to be a part of this psychedelic community and to be able to have the opportunity to connect and work with individuals like yourself who share this passion. So Zach, I just, I gotta thank you again. And I hope to have you here on the podcast again. Uh, I know there's a lot more that we can dive into, but uh, thank you so much again for taking time to do this. Thank you, David. Thank you so much. Global Track Solutions, Inc. and Psychedelic Spotlight does not in any way encourage or condone the use, purchase, sale, or transfer of any illegal substances, nor do we encourage or condone partaking in any unlawful activities. We support a harm reduction approach for the purpose of education and promoting individual and public safety. If you are choosing to use psychedelic substances, please do so responsibly. The views and opinions expressed by the guests on the Psychedelic Spotlight podcast are those of their own and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of Psychedelic Spotlight and Global Track Solutions, Inc.